Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 196. We're going to be talking all about Disney Gallery, the making of season two for The Mandalorian, which was released on Christmas Day. Uh, We just recently got around to watching this, though, Jesse, and I'm very excited to talk about it. I, I... can't remember. I think probably during season one for the Mandalorian Disney Gallery, I probably got goosebumps at so many different parts. But this one, it was like every time they went to another quote unquote segment, I got goosebumps for the new director that was talking about their experience in their episode and stuff like that. So can't wait to talk about it. You know, it's just heartwarming. I think the biggest thing I always take away from these kinds of behind the scenes shows is just how much the people who work on it love what they're doing and how how much they're like us, where they're analyzing things beyond what you ever, you know, imagined them to be doing, if that makes sense, when they're coming up with all these concepts and things. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we start talking all about Star Wars goodness, uh, Jesse, you do have some news for all of our listeners. I do. So unfortunately, there has been, well, fortunately, there has been a lot going on in my life and related to my job and my career and just forwarding myself um, in that aspect of my life that has been taking up a lot of my time lately. And where it becomes unfortunate is that I have to take a step away from Twin Sons Outpost for a little while. Um, I'm going back to school, getting certified. Um, to be a dog trainer, uh, something that's been a lifelong dream of mine to train animals. So it's it's all good things, but bad things in the sense of my participation in Twin Sense Outpost. So I'm just taking a little step back um, to put 100% into my career and into my education for my career right now um, for at least the next, you know, six months or so here until I'm certified. And, and then I do plan on being back. It's not uh, goodbye forever. Uh, it's just a temporary thing that is going to be a little bit of a bummer or a lot of bit of a bummer, um, for me especially, but, um, I'll be back and it sucks, but, but it's just something I got to do right now. Well, of course we want to wish you luck in everything that you're doing with school and, work and all that and you know best of luck with everything and we were talking off air before we started recording you know it's it's possible that you may be a a special guest during the six month hiatus that you plan on taking uh and maybe joining us for some of our episodes if we get big news or something like that 
Yes, I definitely love to jump in when I can, especially when things are extra exciting, um, as we so know that things are going to be continuing onwards and upwards with Star Wars. We've recently gotten so many exciting announcements and there's so much going on. So I definitely um, want to have somewhat of a presence in these next upcoming months here. I hope I can kind of get in when I can. Um, So hopefully I won't be completely absent. Yeah, and in the meantime, I spoke to Amanda. Uh, I think Amanda will be joining me as uh, my host. And if you've listened to us or our book club, you know Amanda does a lot of our book club. She also is the co-host with Jesse on Space Buns. So for now, I think we'll kind of uh, have Amanda on uh, filling the role. Jesse gone. So again, Jesse, good luck, and we're looking forward to uh, your return. Thanks, guys. All right, let's go ahead and talk about exciting things. And before we talk about Disney Gallery, the making of Season 2, I want to talk a little bit about the unleashing of a new era in the Star Wars universe, and that is Star Wars The High Republic. This is something that has been in the works for a long time. It was originally codenamed Project Luminous, They had a big reveal on what this was, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something like that. All Project Luminous, it's a publishing initiative by Lucasfilm, all about this new era of Star Wars, the High Republic. This is a golden age for the Jedi. It takes place a couple hundred years prior to Episode 1, and this is a time of peace. And so right now there are two comics, I believe, and two novels. One of them is Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, and then the other one is a junior novel, or a a young reader uh, book called A Test of Courage, and that's by Justina Ireland. And they did a fantastic job uh, kind of creating this mega story. I haven't read the comics yet. Um, I'm well into Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, and I'm excited to see what A Test of Courage uh, has in store for us by Justina Ireland. And then, of course, in February, another continuation will be uh, coming out. It's called Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. That one's coming out February 2nd. And, Jesse, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but what I will (laughs) say is that you go from... The original trilogy, right? You think of the Jedi that we see. We see Obi-Wan and we see Luke and we see Yoda. And then you you go back in time and we get to see what the Jedi were like in their prime. And we see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and they're doing flips and all these crazy things. And Mace Windu, the Jedi at their height, right? But when I think about that and then we get to read what's going on in this era of Star Wars... Um, the Jedi are, are kind of walking around and people are used to them and they know about them and, and things like that. And some of these force powers and some of these abilities that some of the Jedi have um, are really amazing. I mean, they did a great job kind of showing us a new way of storytelling and a new way of looking at the Jedi. And I just got into uh, finding out about the bad guys, right? There's no there's no uh, light without the dark. I just got into the first interlude chapter with a group of creatures called the Nile, which is not a spoiler. That's been out in all the Lucasfilm things with the High Republic. So I'm excited to see where this goes. But the High Republic, get into it, guys. It's really good. (laughs) 
What's I think really cool about this series is that if you think about any other series, really, if in anything, any other genre, any other thing when it comes to novelizations, you're waiting a year or more for like the second book to come out. And I know these are kind of all separate stories, right? Like they're, it's not necessarily like book one, like, like, you know, part one, part two, part three, or anything like that. Right. But, but that it's all interweaving parts of the, of the same era coming out sequentially so quickly, one right after the other with, little to no waiting involved in between the continuation of the stories of that era. Um, and I feel like that's something that we've never had before in anything, even outside of star Wars that I can think of. Yeah. I think this, this is a great time for Lucasfilm publishing. And not only are they creating this big giant mega story with all the books and the comics? But if you guys remember, there's a TV show coming out, a live action TV show called The Acolyte that's going to take place during the time of the High Republic, during this High Republic era. And so I'm very excited to get as much info as I can in this unexplored territory. You know, this is this is an era of Star Wars we don't know anything about and they're making shows and stuff about it. We still don't know anything about Taika Waititi's film. Maybe it could be taking place during that era. I don't know, maybe not. Um, but there's just a lot that could be explored and explained uh, during this era. And I think I saw that it was uh, Light of the Jedi was on the New York Times bestselling list. And I went to uh, a bookstore in my area and went to find another copy for Amanda because I won't let Amanda read my books because she trashes all her books. She like, (laughs) all her books are well loved. She's like a page folder. (laughs) I think she does that. Yeah. And she'll like, I, with my collection and everything, I'm like, no, I I don't even keep, I don't even leave the dust jacket on. Like I take it off and put it away. Yeah. I do the same thing when I'm reading a book, the dust jacket jacket comes off yeah i did that with all my harry potter books as a kid even (laughs) yeah so i went looking out for another copy for her and i all the places are sold out and they're sold out like even with uh where i work the vendors that we get our stuff from books and comics they're sold out too so i wonder if it's too late to get um digital copies like you know how you can subscribe to like digital copies of like a comic series i wonder if it's too late to do that with issue one for this i'm gonna have to look into that after this (laughs) yeah and i know yoda who's gonna be essentially one of the only characters that uh we're familiar with already is going to be featured in the comics so if you want to read more about yoda during this time the comics are the way to do that All right, let's go ahead and begin our discussion on the making of season two, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. And I think you kind of said something very similar to what I'm about to say now, Jesse. But anytime you watch this, you basically feel like people aren't necessarily there to make a show. Like they are, but they're not, you know? Um, When you watch behind the scenes of a lot of the other films, even the original trilogy... It's cool because they show you how they made the movie, but it seems like they're making a movie during the behind the scenes. With this, with this show, it seems like it's a bunch of friends just kind of being like, okay, well, what would 
this character do in this situation? And they're like, okay, let's throw him in there and make that happen. Like, they obviously <laughs> have it well thought out and planned, but it seems like everyone's just having so much fun that even just behind the scenes don't feel like they're making a TV show. It feels like they're having fun. I completely agree. There was... I laughed probably on and off through this whole thing just because I loved seeing John Favreau and Dave Filoni and all of the directors just just literally I can't stop going back to Star Wars Celebration with Dave Filoni and 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 John Favreau on stage talking about playing with the the action figures that their older brother left behind all the all the least favorite all the most worn out and boring action figures of, of a star wars you know kids collection um it just literally like you said it feels like they're just playing they're just having fun and they just have human action figures to like act out all of their wildest fantasies of star wars which is something i think every star wars fan can appreciate <laughs> i really I really connect with that because as a kid, I literally took my figures and not only did I play with them, but I made movies and I felt I connected with the directors in this behind the scenes feature because that is me on a much less cool scale, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's why it's so fun because these guys are fans themselves and, and they really understand um, that that's what it's all about, you know, being a fan. And, and I think what I want to do is, is just talk about Dave Filoni a little bit. Um, as I was, (laughs) as I was watching this, I was basically like, I don't know how to kind of structure our discussion on this. And I realized more and more that as this was going on, I wasn't taking as much notes as I thought I would. I was just like, watching it because I was so engulfed in what was going on in this and like entranced in what they were saying and stuff. So like, I don't have a lot of notes on it, but I really do want to focus on Dave Filoni because there are so many things that Dave said and did in this that really make you feel like the Mandalorian, if they wanted to, could, I don't want to say never end, but... (laughs) Dave is very clear. If you're going to bring a character in that everybody likes and everyone knows and is popular, they cannot be brought in unless there's a purpose. And he said that multiple times. This character can be brought in if it's the right time for them to be brought in. You know? And he does a fantastic job with that, whether it be Ahsoka or Boba Fett or whatever. He just has a way with Star Wars. You know? He feels like George Lucas version 2 And that's everything from his ability to create stories and develop characters, but also go back to the original look of old characters like Boba Fett. Uh, Tamira Morrison was holding his blaster and John and Dave were having him hold it different ways. And then they finally settled on one way for Tamora Morrison to hold the blaster. And Dave was like, yeah, that's that's Boba Fett to me. You know, and as I was watching, I was like, yes, that's Boba Fett to me, too. Like, he held it different ways. And I'm not trying to say I know how Boba Fett holds his blaster better than you do or anything. But, like, the way that they ended up for Boba Fett to hold his blaster is like, that is Boba Fett. Dave gets it. Dave knows. They Right. It's because they think of it from 
the fan perspective because that's exactly what they are. And it's, it's just, it's just mind blowing to me, the amount of just, I mean, as people who pride themselves in winning multiple Star Wars trivia contests, mostly that being due to you, but (laughs) like people who know so, so much about Star Wars to sit here and watch them and listen to the things that they say and just be like, oh my God, like, you know, everything, you know, what different, like the Boba Fett Spurs thing. I was not going to be that person that was like, that's what Boba Fett sounds like. That wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was not me. That was you. That was, I'm sure lots of people, but like, I'm, I definitely am more than the average, you know, Star Wars fan in regards to, to knowledge base, but it's just, it's just incredible to me. The little things where they're just sitting there and debating, like, does, does, is this right for this character or, or everything that you just said? It's just incredible to me that they have that level of knowledge on every single aspect of this fandom. And it just makes you so happy that, that Star Wars is in their hands right now. And it's almost like going back to what you're talking about, the Spurs, that they, Dave had like predicted what that debate yes. was going to be, yeah. you know, he's yeah, like, yeah, no, that. here's the debate. They're going to think it's Boba Fett, you know, like he, he so like, smart at it. And he was like, but are they going to know it's Boba Fett? And he was like, oh yeah, a lot of them are going to know it's Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so great. Yeah, I'm constantly impressed. And I feel like I shouldn't be just because a lot of Star Wars fans hold Dave Filoni up on this you know, pedestal, but I don't know. There's, he just has a way with creation. That's amazing. He does to me. I just, I just want, I just want Dave Filoni to be like the, not that I want him to like take Kathleen Kennedy's job because I don't think that's necessary. Like I'm about to say that I want him to be the next George Lucas. You know, like, I know that Kathleen Kennedy is that, but what I mean really is I just want him to have a hand in everything Star Wars moving forward. Like, he has proven himself in live action now, which I feel like was, like, the final step for him, moving out of the animation department and into live action, and it's clear that he excels there as well. So I just, with his knowledge base and how much time he spent with George on story development specifically... I just, and his, his his storytelling has always been epic, and I just, I just want him to have a hand in everything. Is that, is that selfish? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think he, he does a great job. He, he really does a great job. And it's probably hard for him in certain ways to go from animation to live action, you know, with with just the look of things, right? Because you want to stay true to the look of the Dark Saber or Ahsoka's Sabres, but you also are pretty much inevitably going to have to change the look a little bit because you're going from animation to live action. And that's true with even characters, you know, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. There are going to be changes that need to be made when going from one form of media to another. And I just love how strict he was about the Ahsoka Sabres and their look. 
um, just saying, hey, you know, this isn't this doesn't look right. This isn't going to be right. They're too big. They're too big. They're too big. You know, Ahsoka's small. And they that was probably annoying for the prop guys and the guys <laughs> making the sabers because then they said they had to use external batteries to make them light up and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really do feel like Dave really has shown us his desire and ability to excel in the universe of Star Wars. And um, he's even cracking jokes, Star Wars jokes and, and all that stuff on set, you know, spinning. That's a nice, that's a good trick. You know, know, like he's just making all those. He's a little kid playing Star Wars every day, you know, I, I love it. And, and that lightsaber moment too, it just so much reminded me that it's these types of, products and it's very reminiscent of you know original trilogy behind the scenes things where it's like well that wasn't invented yet so do something about it and they like invent things and and do new things that they never thought they could do before because they needed it for some silly little prop or whatever it is um, that pushes technology forward so it's cool that they have it feels like every season we hear that they have a hand in in more of what filmmaking, even the evolution of just filmmaking and technology. Yeah, and kind of going off of what you just said, you know, with scenes like the one where they had the boat in the water, you know, with the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, John Favreau was there and he's like, you know, we can't put a crane in the water. There wouldn't be a crane in the water. So we need to figure something else out. So they wouldn't, don't do stuff that you wouldn't be able to do normally, you know, normally in the ocean, you wouldn't have a crane. So that's, they didn't film it that way. They didn't film it like that, you know, Um, which makes it a lot more believable as an audience, I think. The reintroduction of practical effects while still being highly technologically advanced is a really cool and they've hit a very perfect blend with that in this series. Don't tell Mingna Wen about the rattlesnakes though. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it she seemed was... like that was the only actual set that they went on with right. I think with that one scene in, in episode two oh six, I think they call it. But yeah, I mean live sets, practical effects as well as the volume was it's a great blend and they i mean you can't even tell you cannot tell when you're watching it no it Um, looks so good yeah we got some characters back in this one bo-katan ahsoka tano and boba fett that uh we didn't have in in the previous season and we get them back in this you know we get to see characters like Katie Sackhoff or people like Katie Sackhoff reprise her role but this time in live action and many of the lines that she had was with Jon Favreau in The Clone Wars and now they're working together again and when they showed that when they showed that kind of them reuniting and Katie on set in her Bo-Katan costume in her armor you could just see it was like watching the Grinch steal Christmas like his smile was huge in that you know and Katie Sackoff I just could see her beaming with excitement to be playing Bo-Katan this character this character that she created essentially and brought to life and she's going to continue on with this tradition as Bo-Katan and I I loved 
watching all the behind the scenes stuff with Bo. That is such just a special and lucky moment that I think is rarer than people recognize that that being a voice voice actress like and having the right likeness and the right physicality or whatever experience, whatever it is, how rare that was and how that they like even predicted it way back, you know, when they were in recording studios, predicted that she could one day be live action or maybe they, maybe it was just a joke. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it was put, but I loved that little conversation. And she kind of like talked about how she was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> whatever you say. And now here they are. <laughs> yeah. Bo was an incredible addition to this season. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett, again, was amazing. And Robert Rodriguez, he said he took a three-minute or three-page action sequence and made it into a nine-minute action sequence on screen. And I hadn't really known anything about Robert Rodriguez. Um, I had seen the little, you know, the video of him playing his guitar with the baby Yoda kind of bopping around to it online. <laughs> Um, but just listening to Robert Rodriguez talk about bringing Boba Fett back and he's got a very deep raspy voice, which kind of reminded me of Boba Fett too, but it was like, I wanted to bring Boba Fett back in this and I pretended (laughs) it like it was his last episode. We'd never see him again. And I wanted to make this everything Boba Fett and stuff like that. I was like, Oh wow. Like this was, that was awesome. It was awesome to, to kind of have Boba Fett be out there so much. And one thing that stood out to me was like, if Mandalorian, if Mando's the gunslinger, Boba Fett's a barbarian. And just to try and see them make this character and bring him onto screen. And for all the fans out there to see him, like we, like we know Boba Fett has that potential. It was, it was awesome. It was so cool. I know. And everything they did with Boba Fett just paid off so incredibly well like as someone who always felt personally i know this is like a hot take um that boba fett is kind of like a little bit of an overrated character in my personal opinion (gasps) i just i know people are grasping their chests all over the nation um but it's just i just never i i knew that he looked cool and all that but i just never felt that like piqued interest uh, about him, you know, in, in, when you line him up with every other character, um, you know, but it, this episode for Boba Fett alone, like stole my heart for Boba Fett and got me really excited about that character in a way that I never really was before. <laughs> Are you a Boba Fett fangirl now? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I was so excited with all the behind the scenes stuff that they showed us with Boba Fett, even the makeup on his face and everything. And uh, yes. Tamora Morrison, I had the pleasure of meeting him one time, and that dude is awesome. You can tell he had a, a real great time bringing Boba Fett to life. He did. I, I just I just love watching the actors. I love watching them. I, I mean, I keep saying this over and over again. I just love watching people enjoy being a part of what they're doing and really getting into it. And I love that they really highlighted that in a lot of these actors that, you know, they mentioned Rosario Dawson, like did the research like into that. That means like really studied everything. Tamara Morrison, like just, just literally watching him kind of like play around and, and talk about how he like demanded, you know, um, I don't know what it's called, but that big giant 
the gaffy stick. Gaffy stick. stick. Yeah. 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 That he just like wrecked troopers with. Like that yeah. they put that much effort and thought behind the characters that they were playing and, and got it just as excited as any of us would have gotten um, in their shoes. It's just really fun to watch. I love too how Robert Rodriguez came up with this idea for the action sequence by making a movie with his kids at his house yeah. with the little action figures and he takes it to John or to Dave and shows him and he's like, yeah, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And Dave's like, are those action figures? Yeah, I didn't really have anything else. Dude, that makes it so much cooler. <laughs> I know. know they're like, yeah. They're all nerds just like us, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Ahsoka, because I know that was, one, a huge character that they brought into live action, and I think everybody was excited about this. Everyone was hoping and expecting for her to show up. And one thing that I really love that Dave said was that he was staring at her sometimes and he's like, yeah, that looks like the thing I've drawn. You know, <laughs> like I drew that before. Respect what came before. And I, I love that his character that he created with George finally got to make it into live action. It's still so like of a, a fresh feeling to just see a realistic, real live person of Ahsoka, whether she's just giggling with George Lucas on a set or like feasting people with lightsabers. Like it's just still has so much shock value for me. And it's so cool. Cause it's, there's, you know, a lot of the characters that we've have gotten and brought into live action. It's, you know, humans, which are very easy to imagine as a live you know, action character, very, I mean, there's lots of ad adapting that needs to happen, but it's a, a much easier transition. Whereas Ahsoka being a uh, Togruta in even the form and, you know, age of Togruta that we had never really seen in live action before. She doesn't look like Shakti necessarily. Um, it, it is just, it is one of those things where you just didn't know what you were going to get until you saw it. Um, because there's so many adaptations that needed to be done. It's just so so cool to see that silhouette of that character just being real. Yeah, and to me, the the look of Ahsoka, especially the face, you know, not necessarily the Montrals or anything like that. That's a little bit different from what we see in, you know, some of the animated shows. Um, but her face just her face, her head and her, you know, nose and mouth and eyes. <laughs> it it is Ahsoka to me when I look at her. Yeah. You know? She's got a lot of the same features that what you would think of Ahsoka having if she was gonna be made into live action. And when we gotta see her Rosario Dawson in makeup and that stencil over her, and then they finally put on the iconic Ahsoka blue and white headpiece, it was like, wow. That is awesome. You know, they just created Ahsoka in the makeup room. Like, it's so cool. It's crazy. And that stencil is so cool, too. Like, I am on this um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka cosplayer group on Facebook that, I mean, I, it's always just it's something I intend to do and just never do because I don't have the time or the energy. But I love watching people build her. And there's always so much discussion on that page of like how to get, you know, her facial markings, you know, accurate and people have, you know, stickers and different kinds of stencils, but I've never seen anything like that. So I can just imagine that after having watched this, all those girls who are like basically career Ahsoka cosplayers are going to make that mask because that was genius. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know. It was so cool. I need to figure out a stencil for your helmet, too, for, <laughs> for those helmets that we're working on. So the 332nd Clone Troopers, got to get back to work on those. But, yeah, and it's awesome watching them go from drawings that Dave Filoni has done to filming to the end product on screen and everything in between you know all the stunts that they have to go through the art directors and the people who create concepts like doug chang and all those guys the writers the actors the stunt doubles the everybody you know the people who just touch up makeup on people that are sweating on screen (laughs) the prop people like they there's so much that goes into it and they do a fantastic job for us as the audience who looks forward to every Friday to sit down to watch a 45 minute episode who really don't aren't we're not there when they're making it. There's probably so many snafus and snags and troubles and problems that go on while they're making this, but they do it with a smile on their face and and everything that they've shown us is makes me want to makes me want to be in film almost you know i know that's not my calling but like it it definitely makes me want to be a part of that that community i know it just looks like such a fun job that is so difficult and like high pressure all at the same time um i think one of the director directors i forget which one um but i think whoever filmed whoever whoever directed the finale uh, yeah, Peyton, um, Peyton Reed. Where he just talked about how it was like something that had so much pressure involved, but like he knew he could, could never forgive himself if he like passed it up. Like it's like that kind of a thing where it would be so scary to be so afraid to mess something that you love up. And it's like the kind of thing where it's you, it, you just would die to be a part of it. But I could see it also being so stressful. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's a ton that we could talk about related to this. This was a hour and six minute documentary on the making of season two of The Mandalorian that I, I highly recommend that you guys go watch because I cannot speak enough about how this made me feel emotionally. You know, it was so cool. Yeah. Um, but I am also hoping that at some point down the road we get more of this because if you remember back to season one, we got an, a new episode of the Disney Gallery every week. Now, some of them were short. I think 17 minutes might have been the shortest one. But, you know, I know there's a lot more that they could they could show us, especially with season two. I was really wondering if they were going to show us anything about Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker and how they did that and Mark coming on set for the first time or something, you know, but there was nothing in this about right. Luke Skywalker or Mark Hamill. So um, I really hope that down the road we get more on that from behind the scenes. I wonder if they just didn't want to spoil people who... Mm-hmm. maybe haven't watched it maybe haven't been yeah. watching in real time that is kind of like a big it had the same effect as you know baby yoda had as as far as being in shock about a new character introduction um so i wonder i mean not that the internet <laughs> could truly allow anyone to not be spoiled but um maybe it has something to do with that but part of me thinks this is it this is like the only episode yeah because i just can't find anything maybe down the road though like it. Like maybe, 
maybe they'll come out with some DVD set or something, or I don't know. Because it's know. just like if you look on StarWars.com, I just quickly Googled it. They're calling it Making of Season 2 Special. Like it's like a, like a special episode. Like a, I'm like trying to speed read while we're recording here, but I, I, it sounds like it's like just like a one-off thing, but they're not like explicitly saying that. So I still don't know for sure. Maybe one day. But <laughs> lots of exciting Star Wars things to look forward to going forward. I don't think we'll be disappointed about any of it. But any final thoughts on Disney Gallery, the making of season two? McClunky needs to be (laughs) the new lights out. (laughs) Yeah. I after like when they were talking about it and giggling about it and being like, you can't do that. You can't make that be like lights out. I was like, ha ha. No, you can't. But like I, every time I like rewatch that little part or replay it in my head, I'm like, now I kind of want it. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was really surprised that they brought that back in there but just to see them discussing it and dave being like yeah that's what greedo says you know now it's in the final right yeah so yeah that was cool i really like that whole end scene and to see matthew wood kind of reprise his role as bib fortuna because he played him in uh, uh the phantom menace and uh, he's like this real big sound guy. So he's one of the sound designers and, and guys that work on on sound. Um, he's kind of like the the new version of Ben Burt. If you ever watched any of those uh, old behind the scenes from the original trilogy, he's kind of the new Ben Burt. Um, and I think Ben Burt might have even worked on the prequels as well. Um, but now the sequels is all Skywalker sound with David Acord and... And uh, Matthew Wood, who also, by the way, plays General Grievous. He's the voice of Grievous. So, yeah, it's cool to see him in there again. He was excited to be the fat Bib Fortuna. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, just watching Dave and John create Star Wars was the most exciting thing from watching this and all of the directors getting their opportunity, especially Robert Rodriguez and Bryce Dallas Howard um, and what they brought to the show, even Carl Weathers, you know, Carl is a professional and um, just to kind of watch him in his grief cargo outfit, sit in the direct, yeah, sit in the director's chair was, was really cool to see. And uh, just with Bryce, you know, they refer to her as being positive. She's being, you know, warm um, and just has such a, a smile on her face and, and just feels excited to be a part of everything, I think is, is really awesome. So definitely um, go watch if you haven't seen it. They spoke about every director with what seemed like it, it, every time they were asked about a director, every individual cast member, they spoke about them in a way where it was like that they were the best director I've ever worked with. But then they would say that about like every single director. And I I think it was genuine. I don't think it's just, you know, you're in front of a camera and you have to say nice things, but it's like, it wasn't just, they're the best director ever. It's they would list all these amazing qualities that each of them had that were all very different, but it made you, it left you with the impression that like these people are the best people of their field and we're so lucky to have them (laughs) right yeah i mean it just seems like such a blast and 
you've got rooms full of talented people on both sides of the camera that I think there's just going to be masterpieces produced, you know? Yep. So definitely go watch it if you have not seen it. Highly recommend it. But Jesse, I think that will conclude our discussion on the making of season two for The Mandalorian. And now we look forward to season three. Ooh, that'll be Ooh. cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll pretty much do it for our episode 196 on Twin Suns Transmission. Jesse, if people want to interact with us on social media, where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the same handle, at Twin Suns Outpost. All right. And, of course, we have a lot of great content coming up. We are, as I said, in the middle of the High Republic, and we are going to be having a book club discussion on that for our book club, which is at TSO Book Club on Twitter. We also have a group on Facebook where we discuss all things the High Republic. We are reading The Light of the Jedi right now, and we'll have our, our podcast discussion on that at the end of the month. And we've got, of course, all sorts of our regular, regularly scheduled content. Every Friday, we have Action Figure Close-Up uh, by Christian, talking about new action figures, if you guys want to check that out. He did a, a really cool one at the beginning of the year, talking about his favorite figures from 2020, which was really cool. And then, of course, we have book reviews, comic reviews, all that stuff coming up as well for the month of January. If you're looking for other places to listen to our podcast, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and leave us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to me as you.